1: 18 plus. Let's get it on.
2: Going on Recon it's yours truly Jeff Whitebear Kingsbury welcome back to another episode of Strange Recon Radio if you're watching over on Facebook for the first time it's because I forgot this entire time I could just be clicking and uploading to Facebook I think one time I did and they blocked it cuz of the music or something I don't know what they did anyway this is Strange Recon if you're a newcomer it's a show about really ridiculously weird topics sometimes but other times it's mostly just military tech weird scientific anomalies that obviously have something to do with what we have confused with uh, uh, E.T. or something for so long. Uh, You know, there's nothing too weird to investigate, but doesn't mean I'm going to believe it just because we all hope it to be true. On today's episode, as you see on the, uh, as the title there says, the Bert Rutan, whatever, I'm not going to say this guy's last name. I do, really, but I like saying it in any way I want. Um, We're going to talk about this, uh, the kind of, person that is missing from aviation today and as much as we would like a elon musk to be that person or i don't know who's running who's running horizons over there or whatever the hell that name is. we you know richard branson ain't the guy either we, we he, we're missing someone he's still alive i've emailed him hopefully he'll come on the show of course people pay him to talk and well i'm not going to do that so but either way oh geez thank you for being here appreciate it so much everyone on the youtube side already for being and getting the show going i appreciate it Party on Wayne, says Lord Ludacris, <clears throat> excuse me, running out of breath here. Simon Fly, thank you very much for being here. Steve Long, what up, my man? Simon Fly with a good music. Go check it out. Renee Cruz, interesting character from our YouTube. Once in a while, pops up here, says some interesting stuff and takes off. I'm not sure, Ray. I'm so glad to see you back. It's been a long time. Go State, what's up, dude? Ways a H starting off first person in the chat today. I really appreciate y'all being here uh everyone on the audio side again i don't know who you are i see your chats once in a while i'm running it and i i don't know why you're always trying to talk to me about bitcoin why am i never doing a show about bitcoin 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 i need to be talking about the bitcoin i'm not sure i should be doing shows about bitcoin i don't understand it and as you know as a white american male if i don't get it my first reaction is to get the boys together and go hurt it (laughs) all right All right. That's not funny. That's not real. I'm just kidding. Let's just, well, let's just calm down everyone. All right. Um, thoughts on Senator Kennedy's statement, Jeff, there's a guy named Senator Kennedy statement, Jeff. That was the worst fucking joke I ever made in my goddamn life. Uh, two in a row. Whoa. Uh, Rob, thank you for being here, man. No, I do have statements. Um, Yesterday I I talked a little bit about it, but I, I think I, I don't know what the fuck that was. I don't know. I excuse me for swearing. I said I wasn't going to swear. The algorithm will get you. The YouTube will come after. You. Everyone says I never. I, every episode I swear my head off. All that the whole episode <laughs> could be why there's no one watching the show. <laughs> Ladies and gents, boys and girls, cats and kittens. Uh, we're going to talk about Entrepreneur of the Year, record setter entrepreneur inventor aviation extraordinaire spaceman i don't know if he actually went to space i forget now i have to look into it again but um this guy is uh is the people that you know whenever someone says to me before we start the show here whenever someone says to me um when they tell me that they believe that there are humans on the planet that could have made like novel or radical aircraft that maybe we mistook for uh, for UFOs for a long time. And I'm not talking about the far off and away lights in the sky that look mysterious and maybe even something brightening up the sky or flying funny or landing funny or whatever the hell it is that appears in that low information zone. Um, but uh, no, I'm talking about up close. A lot of people have seen uh, some of these test craft. Um And they're just absolutely absurd looking. And we're going to cover a few of them today. But um, yeah, he's he's one of these people that have just he's just shown constantly that the way that the industry does it, the industry standards and oftentimes the FAA policy is not the best way. In fact, he even mentions once he gets to space, once he creates the first private citizen plane to space on his own. He wants out of the game because he says that to even operate or to make something in space means you have to get past NASA, the Air Force and the FAA. And he, he flat out calls them idiots. He's like, we have idiots on councils making policy on, on me on whether I can go to space or whether we, you know, uh, we can deliver stuff to the to, uh, sa- uh, to the, the space station. So you his first reaction it's kind of hilarious. I mean, his reaction to uh, to becoming you know this 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 world changing thing like a civilian organization. Well, not totally, but uh, able to fund a plane and fly it to space in their own way. Um, you know, he says it was. Uh, he says it was. Uh, it became next to impossible. What I and I, you can tell from other little anecdotes you can hear out there in the in the world that unless you're this major conglomerate. Uh, who's been like pulled into um, as a subsidiary or something as another organization, a larger one, of course that that, that y- your efforts might go basically into a brick wall. Like you, 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 not literally. Um, you, uh, you have an easier time just readapting whatever your innovation is to a common product on the shelf today. Be it, a, well, what some you know. Pr- to its prior to its retirement like a boeing 747 or something Didn't it just retire um and uh it's interesting it's interesting we'll get into that and some more uh you know the local uh the local ufo hysteria as well i guess before the show begins but let's uh let's hit that button and when i get back everyone on the audio side video side please do me a massive favor hit that like and subscribe yeah, yeah when i get back we'll talk about uh, the greatest sideburns that aviation and aerospace has ever seen. <laughs> and if you haven't seen these puppies yet, get ready to get your mind blown, Recon. I'll be right back. Uh, <laughs> weird intro. Welcome Strange Recon. I'm
0: here to discuss the so-called flying saucers. Get out of here, f- it was nothing more than a weather observation balloon. Of course, which we, we both knew differently. Now, I saw that. I don't give a goddamn what anybody else says about it. I saw that on film. Phil clasped and kissed my ass. He wasn't there. I was.
1: When you know all the names in every
0: language of that bird, you know nothing but absolutely nothing about the bird. You're crazy, you're
1: crazy, You're crazy. I like you.
2: <laughs> All right. We are back here, Recon. Um, just to respond to the Twitter chat here, real quick, or the YouTube chat here, real fast. We have uh, Leslie Keen was on Theories of Everything with Kurt Jemungle. Was that his name? I don't know if that's his name. I think that's his name. Why is my camera completely lopsided here? Sitting on a tripod, but the top of it is, like, falling off. Or is it just me? I'm, like, hunched over the wrong way. Anyways, uh, we see uh, Steve Long say... um, that uh, Jared Lito or Chris Lito, Jared Lito, Chris Lito did not bring up NFTs on the UFO podcast. That's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was not working out for him too much. Sometimes I think uh, that people uh, don't recognize the risk reward of their quote unquote attempt to make it. Die. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyways, I won't say more, but to go back to Keen on theories of everything, I have not listened yet. Um, Leslie Keen is, uh, before I get on to Bert, uh, Leslie Keen is, if you don't know Leslie Keen from her personal works, let's just say then you would be shocked as the difference between what she might present as a part you know as a, as a journalist and then an author if that makes any sense maybe anyone uh especially when you see that keen is deep into the metaphysical topics and esoteric topics of this field but but not so much as in some of this stuff could be real um i've never uh, she just flat out says that she's she's seen the real deal she's seen so much of it in like even saying things like she's seen ectoplasm whatever the fuck um you know they're they're, and that's not to say that there isn't because you know i tell you the more uh you know we hear people make claims uh from the government obviously the more i recognize that their claims are just you know like utter or former government people it's not really just the shit they're like not even like clever really um and for all of us who saw it all along, maybe we got a little help from others to see it that way. As in, they presented the evidence and actually presented their work. Um, you know, it was—it's obvious that they weren't—they weren't that creative. And it just Leslie Keen doesn't seem like one of these people that is trying to. Pr- I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I—I I, want to jump back to say that. Um, I just want to let me just be professional. I think Leslie Keen fucking sucks. <laughs> Hey, now, oh, everyone's going to just leave after I said that. That's not cool. That's not cool. Not professional. Not cool. I just personally don't believe Leslie Keene. I don't believe her. I don't trust her. I don't think anyone has a real good reason to believe anyone who says, and I quote, I can't prove the skeptics wrong, but I can prove this stuff. is No, I'm sorry. I said that backwards. Quote, I cannot prove this stuff is right. No, fuck. I said it so many times. I've forgotten it now. Jesus. supposed to be the other way around. I can't prove the skeptics. Okay. I cannot prove this stuff is real, but I can prove the skeptics wrong. And all the skeptics are actually asking for is just a little proof that it's real, but yet she can't prove that it's real, but she can prove the skeptics wrong. She said that multiple times. Uh, please look for it in the, um, in the, uh, you know, just their comments on podcasts, on panels, on interviews, on, in her book, uh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Uh, my main question is Keen is why Keane ch- chosen 2017 UAP story, especially if Keen had no plans for the New York Times until after she had the story and it was through Blumenthal. Uh, you know, she's uh, been on the circuit for a while, of course. Um,
1: Terms and conditions 18 plus uh
2: leslie keen is like you know <laughs> it's so funny right that we have um we have so when when it comes down to it ultimately like ultimately we we probably have 10 people now maybe i mean i it, it guess it, it once in a while one drops out sometimes it gets so old that no one cares anymore but but they're really at one point. If you go to a conference, there's like ten celebrities and like fifteen minor celebrities. Celebrities being like witnesses or people that wrote books or something. But there's a there's usually a a, a number of um the hell's going on, on my wrist. I'm, I have the medical conditions on camera now full time. Um, there's only a few number of people really that uh, that are known. Leslie Keen has been going to these conferences for a while, and she you know she's been like a go to person. From that part of the A team for so long. She's she's the journalist and the author. She can help get the story out there. She can be witness or fooled. Uh Leslie Keane has obvious strange ties to certain people from ufology in the past. So much so that because of this of her credibility in some ways in certain ways, and also because, of course, of her relationships that she's formed over the years, be them romantic. Or personal, it's clear that Leslie Keene doesn't really have to follow facts anymore because this is called nepotism and friendships. And you know, listen, I, I know a lot of people have come to call me friend in, in this place and in ufology over the years, even as a kid. And 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 a lot of people have then gotten mad at me for having to say something that maybe goes against something they said. And I'm not being an asshole. I'm having integrity for the topic we're talking about. I think that's important when you when you when you present a video to ufology or something and don't tell people where you got it from try to like just just change things a little bit so it's, it's just the confusing take out words like it's a fucking drone bro quote-unquote like keen took out of the story um you, you start to notice that people that do that uh they they they're just that uh, they don't even care that their friends do that they just stay good friends with them I mean, look at the relationship between Mellon and and Keen since like 2010. These people, uh, uh, like, they live in a not, like, I don't redact things world. And they just go on for decades, just just powering through. Just powering through. And no one gives a shit how wrong they got it or what type of situation that obviously they would lose objectivity in their storytelling. They've been caught red-handed in. And if you know the stories, then you don't, I don't need to get into any detail. I've shared this on Facebook where there's a lot of older ufologists who might see this and think, or they might not want to be called ufologists, but they might think, look at this fucking asshole. Who's this guy? Who's this person to say any of this? Well, the fact of the matter is then, uh, uh, you know, just like if you uh, were to find out that like I was, you know, working with someone and, and you were like, don't you think it'd be important to disclose that? well Leslie Keen is the type of person that doesn't feel it's important to disclose that she's basically working purely off friendships nepotism and horseshit, uh you know to in order to create some sort of spin action that comes back and like storytelling in this paper justifies the story that someone once told that she wrote down in a book so because it's in the book and in the paper and it was told one time by someone therefore it's real look it's in the New York Times and in a published book what are you ta- how are you gonna say that? it's like she's like a master at just putting stories out there that have little to nothing to do with anything in reality. I find I could find, I mean, on to this day, I still think of like Christian Lambright's words. I Me, mean, him, him and I talking and, and just like the TTSA movement, how she found herself in this position of being the one to bring all this to light with a few people. And what do you know? The people that he got most involved with some of them, of course, down in Texas and stuff. I mean, you might know who I'm talking about they're known as like spooky weirdos that have been best friends of these people for years and years. Constantly. They don't They don't even hide it. Everywhere else, every other form of journalism, this would be squashed. They'd be like, Nap, you work for Bigelow or something. What the fuck is this? Why would anyone listen to you? Keen, you're... Being... Well, never mind. If you don't know the stories of ufology, it's not up to me to be some sort of gossip person here. <laughs> but if you've been paying attention long enough, it might be a little bit questionable when you see that who they're supporting and who they're working with and who they're just, ju- I'm just getting the story. out. Hey, listen, I'm just getting the story out there. That's it. Hey, listen, I know it was the New York Times, but I'm just getting the story out there. I mean, <laughs> what? I mean I've, I know that I've bought myself a nice uh, Maserati down there in six and Corona in New York, but I just <laughs> I'm just getting the story out there. Person's got to eat and drive, don't they? <laughs> Um, that's the thing, though. It's the it's the. See, you're not wrong. I think Steve, and I don't think I'm right. I certainly just think that uh, it's the avenues, you know, multiple roads to achieve, and and there there are you know people that are like you know lockstep for being most popular journalists in ufology. One being the journalist, which would be the news presenter i mean we, we've seen george knapp for years we've heard george knapp for years even when george knapp told the skinwalker story um like he didn't even try to not make it like a news like a news report you know what i mean if you listen to the original things of videos he sent um uh corbell he'll say things like um he'll say things like uh um you know sandy rocks and tumbleweeds matched with a delta cliff of rocks followed by olive grove olive grove spanish olive grove trees lined with a river we find ourselves here in skinwalker ranch it's like the way he tells it it sounds like he's telling like a story here on the scene at the hershey factory where trying it's like uh i don't know man i i just uh I tend to think of it as like two people that were, that were, you know, one was a news presenter. One was a, you know, journalist, so to speak. I mean, she was, she is, let's be real more than journalists than I am. Who am I? I'm not one, but I am someone that should be allowed. If I'm, if I'm, a, you know, purchasing this stuff, should be allowed to call out these things. And, um, you know, I personally feel like UFOs, generals, queefs, whatever they call whatever her book is. I, you know, I've, I've read it and I, I just don't like it because it it's it's any work that focuses purely on the sensationalized like spear tip of the topic rather than letting you know all of the i don't know thousands of options there would be for people to misidentify stuff or to confuse it uh, and, and that's just weird to me. Also, she she's so deep into the metaphysical weird stuff that it's almost hard for me to believe whatsoever that she could ever even look at a piece of military hardware and truly understand its origins. That this isn't something that someone just invented or came from an alien race from far off and away or Hitler and his friends made friends with aliens. Whatever the History Channel would tell you. Um, it, it just it's like I don't think she has the capability. She has the capability of asking people like as a journalist would responsibly do. And you might say, yeah, that's that would make sense, and that's we do a fair bit here. But I I, I feel that there's a reason why there there's endless PDFs out there about all the technology that the five observables would be, or all the technology that has ever really been claimed in ufology, even back in the 50s and and stuff. It's like it's it's clear all the fanciest, craziest UFO things we've ever heard, maybe not the maneuvers in the sky, so to speak, sometimes, but tech wise, it's right. Yeah, 55 and on. What do you know? Things did not expand like, like in a linear fashion. They just got bigger and bigger because as people working on different things. We find out those another piece of technology goes great with this. It stabilizes it. It guides it. You can use navigation, laser range finders. You have a, a queef machine, whatever it is. Um, so I just don't trust her. And I don't think there's any good reason to. When I listen to interviews like on Kurt, theories of everything, no offense to Kurt, I think the guy's obviously a bright, bright person who's clearly interested in many weird topics that might not get many bright minds that inspire curiosity or whatever. But that's like the same thing I fear of my friends that that say Corey good it, you know was their friend, and therefore. It's okay to give him a pass because even though he's clearly lying um, and he's admitted it's all lies now. Well, no, no, no. He didn't actually admit that because you got to be careful because people have flat out challenged me on that and say, I've watched all those depositions. He doesn't say that. I mean, one could even argue that intellectual property is channeling. Well, if that's the case, then is Star Wars an actual movie? Is it a documentary? It came from the minds of humans how do we know that they didn't make that it's oh, never mind i'm not kidding um but the point is, is that i don't think this guy uh or, or, or keen should get a pass on all those things especially um when she goes on a show like theories of everything who is kind of happy to have on people provide on a provide a, a more stories that they just will never really be able to back up and i don't even know what they've spoken about over there Yeah. And well, I don't, you know what, that's enough. read Blumenthal's book on John Mack. It's just like goes to show you these people don't even care that they'll still say John Mack was a great thing for whatever. And really, it's just like, what the fuck am I reading here? It's very confusing stuff. And But, um, hey, welcome another person on Twitch. Thank you so much, Twitch people joining in finally forgetting the we got about five to 10 people talking from Twitch nowadays. That's pretty cool. Turn slow business. I'm like the corner store. Every once in a while, you get come in and check it out. You buy a soda, something. You see that we're not a bunch of weirdos in here, but this place is a bunch of weirdos. Um, thank you for being here, uh, Jeff. People believe in movies more than their own senses. I I don't doubt it. They believe in heroes and figures and leadership with no good reason all the time as well. I mean, they literally put all their faith in someone. Like like, you won't even you won't even knock on your neighbor's door right now. If they're playing music too loud, you won't even meet your neighbor and you want to live in neighborhoods. You know, it's like I, people don't give a shit and they'll let things just go and they'll just uh, 40 years will go by and something will become the paradigm and really it's the bullshit mountain they live on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I shouldn't have said that. Oh boy. Uh, what's going on, everyone in the chat? There, uh, Blumenthal's out of uh, off. I mean, Rob, have you have you watched it? Um, I'd like to know your thoughts, dude. Uh, Kagi will be in Comic this year. If anyone is intrigued in- into ectoplasm, spirit box stuff, um, I the ectoplasm thing is one of the more interesting stuff to me because there has been some people that have tried to give me a very kind of objective, you know, uh, you know, they'll they'll say things like. You know, well, technically speaking, we don't know if ectoplasm, as in the, the, the this alleged residue that a spirit might leave behind, whatever a spirit is, um, or whatever any of that is. I'll, but the 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 thing that they've said is that we have multiple examples of UFOs that have left some sort of you know silky-like substance or something in the past. Even in Project Blue Book, what about that case? Was it Project? Yeah, was it a Project Blue Book? The case where the, they, the people ate it. They boiled it and ate it like pasta, and of course, there's you know there's been multiple, deep you know alleged debunkings and stuff, and saying that some of the tests came back and it was like perfect for spider silk, and then other people said, well, "Show us those tests." It's true. I'd like to see them if it was spider silk. It'd be interesting. Uh, Rob, yeah, when you watch it, let me know. Do we should talk about it because I don't know. We're back to horsehead man territory. That's right. For all the all, all of you that don't know, um, you know, believe it or not, like actually, Kari on that one time I was abducted by aliens questioned my weirdness last night. And I think the fair, the I think I should, I could be, I could be fair to myself here. I'm completely subjective about most of this stuff. Even my hardcore skeptic friends, who know me as like a bit of a skeptic, know the reason why I'm here. Right. I've tried to debunk things that have happened to me with large groups of people. Far, far better at seeing perspectives of things, or different perspectives than I have, and they've also been rather confused. One of the most confusing things is the horse head guy thing. We walked to the door, we all saw this man standing and things smashing on this window. We walked to the door with the window he was in, and it was blocked off forever. Cha- changed me. I was like, there was no person in this doorway. Who was the guy we just saw Smashing the wall in front of us. We all watched this person. And then we went and checked behind that window. And that window was closed off with metal. And it had never been open in probably 30-40 years. It was just impossible. And it was 30 feet off the ground. It used to be a truck ramp. I've uh, go back and find the store if you want. But it just forever I made me just go, like, maybe there are things that are so like they're just just weird enough that makes it really hard to make any sense of it other than we were all hallucinating and all had a terrible misidentification of something that was not far away. was not in the low information zone. This wasn't a light in the sky. It was a figure smashing forearms and fists looking at us. Like, like, and we all saw it. Every one of us put two big flashlights and everyone's attention shot to the door. We all just held there. Maybe the person who was with me is watching this right now. They're a Facebook friend of mine. Chris May is one of them. Well, they were back in the day. I haven't talked to the guy in years, but. Should we talk about the yeah, person we started the show for today? I don't know anything about Twitch, but I should try. I did recently start a Twitch show called Anal Gaming. Absolutely not a legit gaming show. Um, If you'd like to join there, you can be... Uh, um... <laughs> oh, I almost said it. I'm going to get in so much trouble, man. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Simon Fly... Hey, John Blair, good to see you. I gotta figure out... uh I gotta figure out um, how to get, um... Get on there. Simon Fly says, What was the horse head saying? He wasn't saying anything. We were in an empty building. If you don't know the story, I'll tell it really quickly. We went into an empty... We used to explore these places, and because people always claimed there was ghosts in this... These old under This old military base, it became a mental retardation school no forgive me everyone that's what that was his actual name before they upgraded it believe it or not but it was that that was the name for years so this is content over context all right here or context over content here. don't 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 skewer me alive for saying it uh but um and then it became you know uh school for the disabled but uh, eventually uh mile standish became paul dever and there just was endless stories of people my grandmother worked there um she uh, my grandfather worked there as well during the war uh there was italian prisoners and german prisoners kept there um i've said this multiple times in the show i think it's honey so if you read the history a little bit of history about miles standish that the italian prisoners at the camp are actually given weekend passes to go uh well i think one of the stories is they actually got on a bus and they brought him to a couple towns over but I've heard multiple people say that they were like in Taunton. The Italian prisoners were, were such a they were had they were basically not a threat. Most of them had family in the area and they were ready to leave Italy or get be out of that war anyways. And of course, as you know, the Italians changed sides at the end. The awful story of the uh, that the first um, anti-ship missile that was radio wire guided, we learned the other day. Terrible, terrible story. That was crazy. Beautiful, huge, giant Italian warship towards the end of the war
0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
2: They left, they didn't tell the Germans, but they took off, and they were never going to look back, and the Germans knew about it, and killed them. It was insane. Uh, anyways, but... I'm down there, and we see this. We hear a bunch of noises. We, we're, we're trying to figure out where the noise is coming from. We go upstairs. We look up there. We think there's a homeless person. There wasn't. We go back downstairs. As we're about to go into the tunnels out of this big building we're in, which is built into the hillside, we look down and there was a, a person. We heard, first off, there's someone smashing on on the wall towards the end. We looked up, and the two huge million candle flashlights in the warehouse went right to the wall where the door was. There was a big an exit door, and then a garage like delivery door, and two huge windows in the delivery door. There was a person standing there, and we all just looked at the person we were like who the fuck is that because we assumed that someone was above us we just heard someone running on the roof or the built the floor above us and they ran really fast and so we could see this person and there was enough of us to be like to to literally be like i hope this person messes with us because we're all trying to look somewhat cool in front of these girls or whatever and maybe we can uh you know fight off a bum or something stupid like that i don't know what the hell we're thinking we're kids and uh except it didn't it was very strange it was a it looked very strange very large head and was uh just doing this looking down hunched over into the window and smashing its forearms and moving its head and uh and then uh, we were all just going <gasps> like watching it smash the wall and we hear it so loud in the in the night you know in this in, in this place and all of a sudden uh, freaking kaylee sees it and just drops the biggest scream bomb anyone's ever heard in their lives and we all ran slid on the ground out the door and took off. Um, it's uh, it happened. We went the next day to try to figure out who we saw and instead behind the wall, behind behind that window, we recognized there was a metal a welded and bolted. Uh, it was welded together but it was bolted to this concrete around the outside and there was about that much space between the metal and the door. There was never anyone in there. We didn't see anyone. We tried to replicate illusions we tried to make the floor shake on the other side of the warehouse to see if we could make that door go boom 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 we we uh, we went back there on on a windstorm literally seeing if the wind could get through the metal somehow and make some sort of concussion effect sound nothing could replicate what we heard or the events that led up to that day but either it it was just one of those things that there was just little enough information but it was so legitimate as we saw a person banging on this door in front of us. And we all looked right at the person. We're not, we weren't confused at the, in the moment. We were like, what the fuck is this gooper, goober doing? Like we thought, you know, and uh, but that's the thing, Simon Fly. Pay attention, bro. There was no way a person was back there. It's impossible. The door was locked down, could not be moved. The wall was bolted, closed. There was that much room between the door and a metal sheet, right? And then off of that, th- th- that was 30 feet up in the in the air because there was a trucking ramp that led there. The trucking ramp was gone. The outside of the building was flush because the because the metal was bolted just wider than the old delivery cutout door. There was no way there was anyone in there. It's impossible. There wasn't a puppet that could fit in there. There wasn't a light. There was nothing. Uh, there was there. No, there was no, because you couldn't open the garage door either. It was like the next day, like, I, I, I think probably literally like 25 people went all armed with bats and guns and knives or whatever. And we get there and everyone's just like, you fucking liars, you fucking liars. And all eight of us or whatever just stand there like, no, 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 no. This is not a door that leads nowhere. This is a door that has some way to get it behind it. you got to be able to, because we saw a person behind it. There was no, that was the one part we could not as children get past. And all those people today will just say, so what? We saw a ghost. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is a ghost then? Explain to me what a ghost is. Because in my mind, that's not real. It doesn't make any sense. I want to know endlessly, almost almost bias, like completely destroys my objectivity, how a person was able to do that. I still refuse to believe there's a magical entity that for some reason went into that room and bang, bang, bang on the wall. And whatever i just don't i just can't believe that there is a thing out there that can go through walls and looks like a human is solid white and scares children in warehouses at night it makes no sense to me the only thing that makes sense to me is that a human did it somehow but man i was the little skeptic back then and people knew me as that and i fucking am still that person today i used to tell you i used to tell you guys stories i'd go on these adventures with these adults and they'd be like no this cold draft is the alien or is the ghost and i'd like find the vent i'd find the thing whatever you do smoke a cigarette on the outside of a building and see if the smoke starts going through so you can tell the people inside who are uh, feeling a cold draft that it's they're not actually feeling a ghost they're feeling the wind from the outside and you can see it with smoke um and and that's all and that's and literally i wasn't mean pay attention like you're like a mad but i mean like that's the problem when i say that sometimes these cases Even though I'm not a person that could clearly, I couldn't know every factor that ever was. It's ridiculous. I I just wouldn't know every variable. I wouldn't be able to replicate it either. But it was so obvious that it was just a person. You know, it was so obvious that there was just a human back there that when we found out that there's no fucking way a human could have been in there because there's no human on earth that could fit in there. Nor was there anyone that could go, that could run the speeds we heard. So That's why, like, when people think of me it's like, dude, well, maybe you just completely missed out. Yeah, I'm saying, uh, maybe I did. But all of the other people that I was with were so freaked out that they spent the rest of their lives uh, saying they saw a ghost. I still like, fucking explain what a ghost is then. Because we saw a dude back there with a really large head, but a dude, you know, looked a little bit like the the mask with Cher. (laughs) Uh, That's what he looked like. And, uh... I started hearing all these other stories from Paul Dever, and I was like, these are all bullshit. This is not what we saw. You're talking about something from Casper the Ghost. We saw a dude, or a person at least, and um, and and whatever. I don't know, man. I, I personally don't put much weight into people like Leslie Keene when they say things like that. It's not because like I can't remember that one experience I had, but it's not what they're claiming either. They're claiming that they have the ability to summon ghosts and hands and shit. It's what something tricked us something fooled my mind something screwed with our perception in the sense that it didn't actually literally do it but but something happened that we misidentified something that probably is prosaic but it happened it was so hard to debunk that it makes me go forth uh and keep and and remain open to the idea that i don't think we've explained everything though of course i do think that we've misidentified 95 plus percent of shit and i claimed it to be magical I mean, just like, you know, uh, I hate to sound like uh, Campbell Marrera here for a second, but just like buoyant plasma. Before buoyant plasma was replicated in a lab and observed in nature, most people just assumed that was a load of horseshit, when in fact, it seems to be a very legitimate phenomenon. Take away the magic behind it, like the mental thoughts and the whatever, and suddenly you have yourself simply a, a very common thing, which is an anomaly that has been recorded and proven to exist. But the hows and whys so much aren't fully known, of course. One of them is entirely unknown. But the other one um, can be replicated in a lab. So then you ask yourself, well, if we can replicate it in a lab, is what we saw the magical beings that we put associated with it because there's nothing
0: on the planet that could do that?
2: And I still remain open that one day I'll find out what the fuck that was, that silhouette behind that door. And maybe, just maybe, uh, I don't know, there'll be a a recognition that... uh, if you're standing in an electromagnetic spot on Earth, well, a uh, built-up plasma, and the plasma fear queefs on your head, and suddenly you're seeing hallucinations with all your friends, meh, I'm open to it. Bring it on. That makes sense to me. I don't know. I just made that laugh. <laughs> but, uh, But, I mean, I just I, I just can't for the life of me um, say that it didn't happen, Simon. See what I'm saying? That's the difference. The difference is that event actually took place, and it was worth investigating for us. Um pretty much on repeat until I left for the military. Um, you, and you know me, dude, I, I, um, I, I pretty much am, am pretty closed off to people's claims. Cause I, I can hear it. I, I've, I've been involved with this too long. You know, they see a light in the sky. They instantly associate it with something that they just can't, they just can't imagine what that light is. But if they were close to the object, Clearly, there wouldn't be the mystery in which, you know, um, um, uh, it's the 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 um, yeah, no, I've, 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 we've accounted for the hysteria. The hysteria was real. It, it, it made us all hysterical after we re, after we saw it. Well, Kaylee's scream made us hysterical um but uh, i mean literally her scream was so loud it was louder than the bangs it was louder than everything it was we were in a warehouse in the middle of night it was the loudest thing ever um but the hysteria is not um of course we're all on edge we're in a warehouse at night with all the lights off and there was no power there excuse me it was abandoned for years that was disgusting freaking tea it's giving me a little bit of introduction (laughs) um queen for Southern, that's right um and um, and that's the problem. I was uh, 18 years old, and I was leaving in a few weeks uh, for the Army. And um, I had been training with the, uh, with the recruiters for uh, in the delayed entry program for about a year pl- and some change. And we used to use that area uh, to run in all the time. My brothers and I, uh, uh, my and my friends and I would play paintball there as well. And my grandmother and my grandfather both worked there during World War II. My grandmother worked there for years with the mentally disabled, that's what they. I don't know what to call them anymore. Uh, the, those people. They're just the same as you and I, except these ones pick up poop with their hand and chase you with it. Um, anyways, but uh, I have memories as a child. Um, yeah. Anyways, she worked there for years, so I got. I spent a lot of time there, uh, and I got to recognize the place. And it is creepy. It's a. It's perfect for misidentifying stuff and 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 scaring the shit out of someone. And great ghost stories. All of the factors that go into getting you ready to misidentify something are there night. It was a wild and spooky rainy night. There was wind. We heard banging even before we got there. We had a Dodge security. we were on edge. It was a group of us, a bunch of people that in that group had never even been there before. I was already there the night before smashing a hole in the wall with a sledgehammer. Cause I found a secret tunnel to an underground MP for it. And I wanted old Jeep parts because they literally buried them down there. And, um, and it just, uh, ended up being, um, it just end up being a perfect scenario to scare the shit out of us. The problem is all that doesn't take away from the fact that we physically saw someone because our first reaction was, who is that? Who's that guy? There's a person fucking standing there. And whether the person was actually there or not, if they were, that meant they went through a metal wall. They were standing 30 feet off the ground and they were able to fit and swing their arms inside that space between their garage door and that thing. So whatever that is, great. I don't know, 2004, you tell me. Um, must have been one of them there. Tic Tacs got loose. Uh, yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> sounds like a nice family. It was Christopher Mellon. I had a very uh, confirmation bullshit, confirmation DMT experience years later that made it seem like some sort of alien interaction that, uh, that was some sort of magical thing. But the fact that so many people then said, that's true, the alien's talking to you. I was like, no, that was me on drugs. And there's no fucking way that the things that were talking to me while I was on drugs were actually the alien that once scared me in a building. But it was a cool experience that I was not waiting for or trying to get contact with or anything. I was more mostly saying, I'll be happy. I'll sleep less. I'll get in less physical altercations. I'll be a better human. I'll pick up my neighbor saying the stupid mantra. This thing's with, like, oh, you gotta come up with a mantra to be a better human before you do the DMT. Two weeks of the mantra. They want you to do. The mantra didn't help. I went straight into fucking whacknut land. Are we at that point yet? No, we got another 10 minutes here before the show starts. <laughs> I still hold out that what we saw was something that physically or as in it physiologically changed us to make us see what it was, not in some sort of weird fucking demon or angel or alien or ghost or time traveling cryptid or whatever the fuck people come up with, but that building that whole place is steam tunnel pipes and old pipes and degrading old clay pipes from back in the day. Pockets of weird, it's in a, it's in the Hockamock swamp area. I mean, it's, the whole place was a swamp before they built cities on it. Um, the air, the area that is renowned for bu- buoyant plasma, bu- ga- swamp gas and all types of stuff. Um, people have captured, uh, endless stuff. On, I mean, even people that have nothing to do with the paranormal whatsoever. I mean, David Marler's book, he writes about that, the black triangle, um, Spot, more like a home base spotted in Massachusetts uh, by the two reporters, they were simply going to the dog track after work and uh, in Rainham, and they saw this thing in the sky coming right at them, so they stopped, got out, and just and, and uh, witnessed it, witnessed this giant triangle flying from it, not a, like a light in the sky, not three lights, but literally a home base or diamond-shaped, baseball diamond-shaped uh, um, thing, and it had three lights on it, and they were blown away, but they said it was hovering right over the swamp, which is Funny, because that's where I saw my sighting. Anon, yes, that's exactly what happened. But uh, um, but you have to remember, though, the DMT experience comes afterwards. It isn't like I had a DMT experience, and then 20 years later, I ran into some sort of thing that matched the being I saw in my drug experience. (laughs) I saw something in real life that was hard to explain, and 20 years later, I had a conversation allegedly with that thing in DMT. So I don't trust that. And maybe subjective experience is the only way aliens can communicate with us, but I'd say then aliens are stupid. You're stupid creatures from a far off away land. Learn how to talk over a phone or something because you suck. Use a walkie talkie like the rest of us. Send me a letter, write me an email. Stop pretending that aliens are speaking to us and fucking half puzzle piece stories and bad accents and people oh, going like this when they talk. It's 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 absurd. And I'm sorry. I'm not, I know people out there get so mad at me about that, and they hate when I talk shit about these people. But uh...
0: anon.
2: Have you ever ingested dimethyltryptoline? I have, on multiple occasions. It induces schizophrenia. It breaks down any type of structure to the world that is even slightly relatable to anyone else in their normal walking around life and turns everything into a you know shitty but extremely detailed series of events some of which means going places on the last one I had, a, I had an ego death like the traditional buddhist/ slash freaking like catholic purgatory style thing happened that was pretty wild i mean it showed me memory yeah, that one was the best one um, but
1: um yeah
2: Anyways, moving on. This show is about. (laughs) Is it at that hour yet? We're almost at that time. We got to get going on. We got to get going here. If someone can prove that dimethyltryptyline is actually a journey somewhere, like so many have claimed, then bravo. Bravo. And I'll be happy then to tell my story again. But it just felt like all the other trips I had until those experiences, the first and the last, uh, were just a bunch of fucking nightmarish, weirdish, like dream, vision, movie, craziness things that make no sense. And they're not at all insightful and sound just like when people talk about meeting aliens. Like, oh, I got to, look at Mark Sims. I got to meet an alien. We had a relationship for days. He let me ask anything I wanted. Okay, Mark, well, what did you ask? What did you ask that about the world that you didn't already know? Buy my book. No, it's because it told him everything he already knew. Your dead mother loves you. The dog that you lost when you were four, it misses you, but it understands you were just a child. All this fucking random shit like this. We get it. We get it. You're on drugs or whatever you're doing. You're not talking to aliens. You're fucking on drugs, Mark. You're in a van with Danny Shims, Sims, and you're high as shit. Okay? Anyways. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It says mushrooms. Remember, Strange Recon does not recommend the use of doing illegal substances at all please go to a county where they've been decriminalized if you want to be a criminal anyways i seem to be arresting people or go to a country that offers some sort of program make sure you go to the people that actually are shamans and stuff we can produce our own dmt which complements things uh complicates things i believe yeah and that's what that's what we got to (laughs) <laughs> there's just so many parts of dimethyltryptamine that that seem to hold no weight in reality but they are being used almost entirely it's like uh aliens are real i've spoken to them i do dmt and mushrooms all the time but that's great but you gotta we also have to wonder or be be sure that you're not just feeding yourself because a lot of people don't describe aliens cartoonists go in there and have a very cartoon like adventure comedians have sit down with a funny cat you've got people that go that are into surfing will go to underwater worlds you've got so i mean what do you know the people that are super into reading books bad books about aliens and stuff see and talk to aliens the people that only read terrence mckenna what do you know? They talk to elves and blah blah blah. That's not. A, oh, they show up in a form that you can understand. No, it's the same reason why if you work doing something, and you dream about it. It's because you're just autocorrect. You're fixing the shit that you probably should have got right in the in the in the first time. Oh, whatever. Most people are gonna hate me for saying that, but I, I just don't. I I get really confused when people like to. Yeah, this is the one time it means what it actually is. So if you have a dream of of you being a giraffe on, on on roller skates and you can't roller skate because you're stuck in a giant pizza, that's right, that means something, and you should seek help. It's like I don't know. We, we people like to take things and run off with it uh, and just believe it's like it's something else. But I and I've heard so many people just not go that way at all. That's so why I get very confused, too, when they look to talk to me because I have a very different opinion, but then I'll tell them my opinion, and they'll just find everything in the world to justify their opinion, and I'm just like, I've done more of this than you. I've spoken to the people that you're quoting their books. I've spoken directly to them about it. You're quoting their book. You're taking one or two lines out of their book. No offense, but like that's like what Graham Hancock does to anthropology. The guy will go somewhere and spend the weekend, and and when he's quoting books, he'll take like a chapter out of it at best sometimes. Have you read Fingerprints of the Gods and stuff? It's like, or is that, yeah, is that the one? Um, it's like he's specifically doing that, and I don't trust that, because that's like the ufologist who tries to justify advanced physics or something by quoting someone who was alive in 1858. It's like, don't you think you can probably check some papers from here, from that, from then to now, or, or are you just going to sit here and quote a single line and believe that because there's a fucking scrotum's cat? <laughs> no, that's not scrotum's cat. Come on. Let's get mature recon. Let's get mature recon. The show is about to start here. Creeper smile, dude. The very first day I was was on a panel with him and I No, 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 Uh, no, Uh, There's something very interesting about that smile. Almost as if either he's lost all his teeth and he has replacements and he just learned to smile again so he could show everyone his bright, huge teeth. Or, or something suspicious going on there. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Anyways, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a weird one. Look into Sim's old business on nanotechnologies. Interesting. I should check that out. Why does he believe such a stupid thing then about the walkie-talkies? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not trying to be rude, but that's not how walkie-talkies work. He doesn't even understand the basics of, of frequency hopping radios or the net, encrypted networks and the multiple, cha- uh, uh, ability, uh, multiple channels to communicate on that some of these aircraft are using, including the cell phone in their pocket sometimes um so it's like i've heard him say things that are just that are just downright infuriating to me like for instance a pilot will fly near a balloon right a balloon or fly near a quadcopter and he'll say why didn't the pilot try to use multiple forms of communication with that thing and he's not just talking about words of mouth he wants you to and somehow psychically fucking speak to a drone. There's people at the headquarters of DG, D, DJI that are like, "All oh, the systems are going crazy.
1: Someone's trying to communicate psychic again.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's not real. I just, well, that's what you get when you champion people that are clearly crazy. You get pe- people like me who get to make fun of it. I, I'm telling you right now, I, I can't, I can't know the saying. It's not. I I can't know that there's nothing cool to any of these or real to any of these esoteric topics or more metaphysical things. But the people that have been championed have been placed on the forefront. Whether they're just a popularity contest or they've actually said enlightening things at one point. um, If you think that they're, if you think someone like, um, like uh, that freaking alien channeler dude is something, is, is supposed to add legitimacy. Or a guy like Mark Sims who's holding a walkie-talkie and believes he's going to talk to a fucking alien through a simple walkie-talkie because they saw it in a movie once. (laughs) These are not rational people. These are not people that are basing some sort of decision off even their experience because they can't even interpret their experience correctly. We've seen this so many times. I mean, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Oh, bless your whore, Um, Mr. Uh, Letso. I mean, but we've seen that, right? We've literally seen this guy videotape rocket launches in drone flights or something and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's like, dude, that that ain't God. That's fucking Phantom Works or something. That's a flight out of... Kennedy Center. Look, you're going to everyone where that guy lives. You can actually see a lot of rocket launches on a clear day for like a good 12, 15, 20 minutes of uh, of action, as in whether it be smoke in the sky or light still shining on it or whatever. I mean, there are obviously there are times there's a serious cloud deck up there where you only might see like four minutes of the three minutes. But it's he's been wrong. We've seen it. How could this guy that is allegedly oh, what am I doing? I have a problem. Can we talk about the person we're talking about today? (sighs) Greg O'Brien. I have a feeling Greg O'Brien, that's not your real name. Greg O'Brien. How do I know you, Greg O'Brien? How do I know you? When did I see your name pop into the YouTube chat? Well, I'd have more guests on from the UFO topics if I could find people that just don't go along to get along. I'm really not looking forward to looking to give a platform to anyone who's just making friends and making progress. And if progress is measured by how many friends you have, and you know how much shit you can get over on on the public i don't know um friends i'm going to go grab a little more tea listen to this quick bit real fast from christian lambright from a few episodes i was just talking about remember christian lambright's words but uh this is the last little thing about ufo's we'll talk about for actually we do we will talk more about ufo's from uh about bert uh because i got to tell you man do you know that mr sideburns himself here. I'm just kidding. I should stop saying that because this guy is the man. And he's alive and I'd love to talk to him one day. Um, Bertan. He was asked to write the forward to Colonel Alexander's book. And you should see the words in there he wrote. Because guess what? He's friends with Hal Putoff. He's friends with some of these people. And his words are on paper. And I have them. And I'll read them to you. And guess what? As a person that's considered one of the most dedicated and and has contributed more than basically any other single person on the planet to aviation and what's been achieved and what's been in our design as well and uh, in, in material science as well, this guy does not have m- many great words for the people that follow along these individuals and their stories uh, at all. He even mentions Bob Bigelow. All right, so I'll be right back, Recon. We get some tea. I'll be right back. Watch this quick little clip of uh, of uh, Mister Christian Lambright talking about his thoughts on the formation of TTSa. That's To the Stars Academy with Tom DeLonge and friends. Let's see if this
0: works here. Oh shit! Is this the one? The Guy had the bravado to go to approach, you know, people at uh, Lockheed this story I mean I remember what I read about that I'm not sure his take on it is everybody seems to have their own preferred beliefs and their approach and his book secret machines and whatnot but where I get interested is what was happening when Tom DeLong first started and I don't mean to go into the subject if it's not the way oh, I'd talk love about. to
2: that's exactly but what I'd love to talk about
0: my Take on what I've seen and read. Tom DeLong is first approaching some Air Force guys, generals, his Air Force generals, um, McCasland, a couple of others. And a lot of this comes out in the letters that he was uh, emailing back and forth to Podesta, Hillary Podesta, Hillary Clinton's guy. But somewhere right in the midst of this, and much of this is we're talking in a three to six month time frame from the mid whenever it was 2015 i think 2015 to yeah. early six 2016 when all of a sudden you'll notice his air force guys drop off the map suddenly he's met some people and he's flying down to Texas and then all of a sudden you have the two the stars core people And if you look at it, and I think it even, he describes some of this in the beginning preface of his book, he was talking to the Lockheed guy. When all of a sudden the Lockheed guy tells him to fly to Washington and he meets what he calls his CIA man, which I, me, 98% certain based on what I put together, that's Kit Green. I'm like, wait a minute, how did Kit Green get into this picture? tom DeLong was talking to the air force men and the Lockheed guy where all of a sudden did Kit green come into the picture and then he writes to pedestrian says now i'm supposed to fly to texas to meet some very important people a friend of mine was the one who even said yeah texas that sounds like how put off and then all of a sudden you've got you know like i've said i have tried to reach out to some of these people i mean i don't want to be talking about people that i've not tried to at least contact you know just to ask questions but I realize i'm probably not the person you want to get (laughs) to ask questions about because it strikes me that the same kit green who was involved with the origin early on with nids and bigelow but whose name did not appear anywhere appears in the formative positions with the whole bass and was there at offset but his name doesn't appear on anything was there behind all of this that led to To the Stars, but his name doesn't appear in any of that. And now we're back in the same position where we were. And in fact, after the last four years, my take on this was last four years of all this promise and hoopla and the Nimitz case was coming out and all this turmoil running people around like chickens in the, in the yard, running around chasing all the pieces and now it all is just tired out and everything is pretty much dropped. You look at the Facebook groups, you don't hear any more about the Nimitz case. Everything's...
2: Listen to what he's about to say after this. He talks about how no one's talking about the Nimitz incident anymore on these blogs where they used to talk about it every day, finding supporting information. But listen to what he says, because this is what we've been trying to say for years about why it's important to now use UAP and how why UAP is a much better term.
0: Quieting down. More documents from other things. And I think it's my my opinion is this was the plan. This was the plan all along. Somebody, even the UAS, now well now they've thrown now. We're, now it's called UAP. UAP task force. <laughs> but they can go to Congress and give briefings to Congress on all the drone swarms that were seeing around our ships from here to Timbuktu. And technically that meets the criteria for reporting on UAPs, since that's a catchphrase. That could be anything. Yeah. So they don't necessarily have, and we're not going to hear anything from it anyway. You remember Harry Reid's comment in his interview with George Knapp about Congress, Ready? Ready? <laughs> the thing about Ready? Congress, the statement that if we've never done it before, we're not going to do it now. And oh, they've yeah, never man. had a real disclosure before. And guess what? Guess who's going to run the new task force same group who stepped in and ran interference with harry (laughs) Reid's program within the first before the first year was even over o-u-s-d-i not
1: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest
0: place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office
0: not in the defense industry or military side of things it's not the Academy of Science is going to be doing it it's Office of the Under Secretary of Defense for intelligence which happens to exactly be where Lou Elizondo came out of oops and happens to be where Chris Mellon used to work oops. and who were the people that Harry Reid you can find this in his interviews and comments that he claimed were the ones who ran immediately began to come in and run interference one of the top guys that he named as running interference on it is now vice president at Lockheed.
2: Oh, recon. We tried to warn you, but y'all wanted your spaceships. Sometimes I wonder if it's a double take, you know, like a double play. It's not what don't look over in the right hand because the left hand's stealing your wallet type of thing at all. It's more like look over in the right hand because I'm putting something in your wallet you're going to think was yours all along. You're going to find it and be confused at first, but we'll slowly adopt it because, well, it seems like it's yours. It sounds like it's yours. It flies like it's yours. It's being identified as a mystery by pilots, and they're credible, so... The thing in your wallet is not a UFO, it's a UAP. And to our government, UAP, or Defense Department to some degree, uh, uses UAP in our military branches as a very broad categorization of many things, like a bunch of fucking balloons in the sky, my friends. And you see, all along, Elizondo and friends wanted to fix this issue, wanted to take care of it. Do you know that there are certain arms within our government, within our Defense Department, that, that probably could be working every day? It probably could have something to do like every single day. Probably even like the, tr- like the true nature of their job if it took full force of how it should be played out would have access to, you know, like deployable military units or be able to advise on, you know, vectoring aircraft off to take care. Of- like that's how much attention and flow of money would go into something like this, because there's a bunch of targets flying around. And we got a bunch of expensive weapons to shoot them out of the sky. Of course, the targets that are flying around are mostly things that are <clears throat> bags that are so weak, they couldn't fucking hold air here on the ground. But somehow they, you know, you know what they're doing up there, 60 miles up or so, not always 60 miles, but close to sometimes. Um, not literally, but have you seen some of these things are 100K up and the, uh, they're talking about a, a balloon structures, a possible Chinese blimps so that can make it to 100 kilometers. What the fuck? That's basically like a satellite. That's just, that's space. Um, you know, <clears throat> let's get into our our, our topic. We're going to talk about today. I was trying to spend like an hour talking about UFOs. I'm trying to, as much as I say, I don't want to. I want to, whatever. I just feel like there is a job to do still, and I and I feel like I owe it to these people. I don't know what it is. They fucking hate me. These people hate me. They don't want anything to do with me. If they wrote about Roswell, if they wrote about fucking, I don't even want to say, cause I'm going to just make so many enemies still. I'm not looking to make any enemies. I just want whole context. And like, even something like you know, people, like still to this day, man, I'll tell you what I can't, I'll, I'll, I'll Kevin Randall, Don Schmidt and, and the rest of the crew, you know, including, um, Stanton and stuff. And our Australian friend there What's what his name. Um, they all have a very interesting perspective of what's going on there but I, I, I lose so much respect when someone holds on to something that is so freaking flimsy like 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 flowery tape and stuff like that I just I just it just breaks my soul and so I, I feel like it's my duty to remind people that a lot of the things they believe ride entirely on whether or not the Air Force got it right where they got this brand of flowery tape from. Or how much we're all going to put into a story. Just how much hope we're going to put into a story that aliens are real. And then you find out that the swarms were not weird balls of light from space. They were, in fact, from a Chinese carrier. And there were UAS systems flying around the ship spying on it. These individuals tend to, I don't want to necessarily say grift a buck, but they they, they it's very suspicious that the stories don't get redacted or changed. Dave Beatty, much respect to him. Who saw that Mr. Dave Beatty posted that thing about correcting the Nimitz Timeline movie? Dude, Dave Beatty gets a freaking, unless I've missed something entirely, Dave Beatty gets a huge step up of respect from the recon crew from here on out. Come on, everyone. I mean, seriously, how often do we see people who raise so much attention for a topic literally say, hey, now, whoa, there might be some things here that I didn't get right because, well, I think maybe there were some people misleading the scenario. Uh, and if you disagree with that, let me know why, but i'm I'm telling you I have so much respect for a guy that that openly says, "Hey, we got it a lot of this wrong." And, and and that's and that's cool with me, man, because all I want is to expand on the context, add different perspectives, and of course, zero in, adjust our scope on what we're actually talking about, and to have so much just 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 white noise of of just ridiculousness added to that case. Uh, by so many people who were basically just fucking quoting a document. Excuse my language, but anyways, all right, let's get into this one here. Ready? We're talking. We're here. We're here. Got here today to talk about some Burt Reynolds of the sky with the sideburns like you've never freaking seen in your life. I mean, this guy is unreal. This is unreal. Burt Raton. No, it's Burt Raton. Named Entrepreneur of the Year by Inc. Magazine and described by Newsweek. As the man responsible for more innovations in modern aviation than any living engineer. Wait, should I start some do some sort of segue? People say that I just, uh, I don't segue in anything. We're talking about goddamn spaceships, my friends, and the people that make them. And how I agree with him when he says that working with the FAA and NASA together to set up a company that wants to bring stuff to the space station, like satellite parts and all that good stuff, and I don't know playboy magazine for the, for the, for the, uh, for that one weird astronaut. Um, but the, uh, the, the, he said it was like working with idiots. He said, you have a bunch of administrators and people like Congress people that, I don't know, talk about Ezekiel's wheel and stuff as being what's flying around in the sky, but, um, uh, are controlling things that have policy, you know, that control policy on the FAA and transport and space. And what do you know? That's all part of it all wrapped up in a, in a few different divisions and organizations, but it all falls under the same committees in Congress. And he called those people idiots. And I thought that was kind of cool. But, uh, by the way, before I read this um, about Bert here, please do me a favor and head over to BertReton.com where he has so many great lectures on there. From 2004, when he flew Spaceship One, Oh when they flew spaceship 1 um and uh from 1986 when he flew around the world non-stop first continuous flight around the world nonstop, he designed an aircraft that could fly 27,000 miles and did it uh it's um he's just this just in general one of the weirdest most interesting people that doesn't see things he does things in a very german way and i respect that and the german way seems to be cad is not going well you know advanced modeling and stuff for aircraft design um is not going to it's almost like an artist building something rather than whatever Like you you spend too much time talking about it you will start reducing the chance you'll take the right amount of risks and in his words which i think are incredible research and development is not research and development anymore um these companies that 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 use lots of virtual reality, lots of modeling endlessly rather than just experimenting many aviation experiments as you can, test craft, test craft, you just gaining as much data back as you can, get that good bell curve of data so you know what the fuck decisions you have to make. And he says, um that research and development, a lot of these companies are that you know they don't actually develop. They. They um, they own and they don't really research because they only actually look into ways to improve about one to two percent on their own stuff. Like we were talking about hydrogen vehicles yesterday. And so uh, improving one or two percent um, is not really research and development. He believes what research development is, is like kind of the German way, which is just start putting these weird composite materials together. Get something that is in a radical shape thrown in a wind tunnel as is a physical model scaled down. Scale that son of a gun up and start flying and see how it goes. And and that's why when I was looking into the hydrogen stuff, I found it interesting that almost everything pointed back to northern Germany and um and up uh, up up north because of of the just the the way they fly. It's a very different normal like the you know it's like someone in Alaska taking a bush plane a bush pilot to get to a town somewhere because the roads they don't exist and there's a lot of people flying over fjords and giant canyons and lakes and stuff and rivers up there, so they need to make these advancements in aircraft for the little jumps rather than the long ones. Um, Box boy in the super in the, on the chat box boy with the clear. Is That Dick Tracy, or are you trying to say that you're some sort of CI person there? It looks like, hello, anyone else notice the duping delight behaviors regularly present with these experiences, the duping delight. Uh oh we have we have someone f- who's here from who's here from uh <laughs> Ap- 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 Bro. <laughs> no sorry I saw your picture and all I could think was like old Jan Aldrich or something uh walking around in his raincoat asking questions no I don't know if that's true Jan hope you're all right um I'm I swear a lot people don't you know I don't think Jane will ever talk to me again I have a terrible terrible time not being like this all right let's get back into Bert's thing here, because this guy's the man. I want to read about him real quick. First off, while I'm reading this, take a look at this picture. Everyone on the audio side, I apologize. And by the way, we lost, what, 15 some odd people? Because what? I'm not talking about aliens and shit. Jesus Christ, all freaking mighty. Give reality a chance. Humans have achieved so many goddamn amazing things. It's unbelievable. And if you start putting faith What You shouldn't really put faith in anything, but if you start actually seeing human achievements and appreciating them, you'll recognize that maybe, just maybe, there is conspiracy that is real. Like, as in the conspiracy that technology goes about 40, 50 years ahead in a wave gap before you really get a whiff of it or a use of it. And so, who knows what that means for what's out there, and maybe that's what you saw. I guess that's a little conspiracy using a lack of evidence to form an opinion, but at the same time, Chip away at what humans have achieved, and suddenly you'll be impressed. Uh, Take a look at this photo real quick. (laughs) Oh, my God. If you can't like this guy just by this painting, it's not a photo, it's a painting. If you can't like this gentleman from this freaking painting, I got nothing to say to you, sir, ma'am. Here we go. Oh, God, it's too good. It's too good. (laughs) <laughs> yes this guy is um created fighters he's created um novel radical designs to uh gain a bunch of information about long-term flight where to place engines maybe you know uh VTOL stuff and he's worked a lot of course with um he owns a website called uh um Scaled ceramics, what is it? I'll bring it up at the end, but uh, he's a big part of the uh, um, hi Dorothy, sorry I didn't see your chat there. Um, he's a big part of uh, the uh, experimental aircraft or experimental aircraft association's um, history because of what he does, what he did, who he is. Lee Majors, <laughs> he does, except he's the real one, though. That freaking face and those chops, man. Look at those, he's still got the side rents. All right, let me read this real quick. This is a really quick, by bi- short biography in 2004, Ratan made an international headlines as the designer of Spaceship One, the world's first privately built manned spacecraft to reach space. Financed by Microsoft co founder Paul Allen, Spaceship One one the $10 million X prize for a vehicle to get up there on the cheap cheap. The competition created to spur the development of affordable space tourism. Man, <laughs> oh man I got we're adding to the conspiracy of I swear people don't want us in space. The first people in space need to be the people that achieve total and utter control over all mining operations and the production of hqef three. All right. Anyways, manned spaceflight is not only is not for our government to do. I'm sorry. Quote: Manned spaceflight is not only for governments to do. Even technically speaking, I, I think a lot of this all got funded because he's been working, uh, you know, with our with our government for years. But including this competition, technically, we proved it can be done by a small company operating with limited resources and a few dozen dedicated employees. The next 25 years will be wild will Be a wild ride, one that history will note was done for everyone's benefit. And, um, and technically, what he did with the uh, with Spaceship One, Branson hasn't done with the uh, with Virgin Galactic, his doesn't go to 100k. He's not officially an astronaut by the standards of what makes someone an astronaut or not. So, when we hear like commercial space flight and stuff like that is being brought to you by Branson and Virgin Galactic, I'd say check unless it's changed but I don't think he's gone to a hundred K or maybe he has, I, I got to check it up. I'm pretty sure he went to like, no, I, I'll look it up at the end. 89 kilometers. <laughs> Told you he's technically not an astronaut. That's a big deal when it comes. That's a that, I mean, that's a, you know, 55 miles versus uh 65 miles is a pretty big deal. Um, Hey Rob, take it easy, man. Thank you very much for being here. I miss you, dude. All right, let's get going. Let's get going back to this real fast here. The exciting development and launch of the Spaceship One was featured in the in and two Peabody Award-winning Discovery Channel documentaries. Black Sky, The Race for Space, and Winning the X Prize, which was cool. If you haven't seen Winning the X Prize, really cool. I've not seen the race for space. I probably should watch that inspired by the success of spaceship one virgin group founder sir richard branson started virgin galactic engaged scaled composites that's the name of his company scaled composites check that out earliest of the early days of the roswell conspiracy of what some of these materials might have been made out of that this thing crashed in roswell or corona uh, was and you've heard is this some sort of new ceramic or something well turns out in in the 40s 50s and 60s the united states was working on matrix composites that that look wild and if you don't believe me um
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office
2: it's not new. It's, it's not, it's not a new invention. The idea of doing these, uh, you know, carbon fibers, ceramics and, 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 uh, fiberglass setups or whatever, but look at that drone. I just showed you two days ago, the NASA's new shape-shifting high altitude can fly forever type of perpetual flight thing. It's, it's
0: completely a
2: giant matrix. Like the whole thing is these little like sticks that are, that have material coming off it and the material links together in very, very thin layers. And it's, impressively strong and extremely lightweight and, and it could change shape and basically fly at elevations and hang out there for a long long time in 2012 paul allen announced straddle launch systems which return, uh as board members scaled composites is now building what will be the world's largest airplane to serve as the carrier ship for the revolutionary orbit space launch system Bhutan designed a legendary Voyager, which is the 1986 badass aircraft, the first aircraft to circle the world nonstop without refueling. He also developed the GM Ultralight, an all-composite, 100-mile-per-gallon show car for General Motors, and 100 miles per gallon. And uh, is this Proteus? Prote- I don't know how to say this. Proteus? I don't know, I don't know words. But um, uh, affordable U-2-like aircraft, his Virgin Atlantic Global Flyer broke the Voyager's record time, becoming the first nonstop solo flight around the world. The success of Scaled Composites owes itself to return's philosophy that the best ideas come from the collaborative efforts of small, closely-knit project teams, an environment unlimited by adversity and risk. Which is asking a lot, because basically... If you got a corporate gig or a military contract and you fail miserably more than once, oh boy, well, you might not be looking at some sort of uh, easy way of getting another job. And certainly in some of these spaces, or or you could be like a con man and just and just somehow get around for years and years, uh, like certain individuals we you know in in the aerospace or defense world that are involved in ufology in certain ways. Lasers or aliens? What do you do for a living? I make lasers. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go. Um, let's see here. According to Aviation, H. Gritton is a capable manager who is able to attract technicians, pilots, and workers who revel in the entrepreneurial and creative spirit existing at scaled composites, which is pretty much the exact opposite of a description that you hear about <laughs> Bigelow Aerospace. Go to Glassdoor.com and take a look. I've read pretty much every review on there. I don't know how it's even a company. Winner of the Presidential Citizens Medal, the Charles A. Lindbergh Award, two Collier trophies, including on Times Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World to Ever Live. Richard is the founder of Scaled Composites and the most aggressive aerospace research company in the world, based in the Mojave, California. Am I saying that right? based in Mojave, his company has developed a test, a variety of groundbreaking projects from military aircraft to executive jets showcasing some of the most innovative and energy efficient designs ever flown. And, um, he retired in March 31st, now lives in Northern Idaho. He gets paid to lecture and his website is freaking awesome. If you're interested in his website, I'll put in the notes, but, uh, he has endless videos of his speeches, including one from 2023, where he does a Zoom chat with uh, Argyle, Texas High School Aerospace Class. Let me say that again, because when I went to high school, the classes were like on nose picking, butt picking, um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to keep going, that should stop. The classes were a joke. I don't know if you realize, but this. let me read this again. This is a Texas school. I've always heard things about Texas. Maybe it's not true. Argyle, Texas, high school aerospace class. High school aerospace class. Dude, you couldn't ask a kid at Taunton High what the fuck aerospace even meant. They'd be like, aerospace? I know that dance. Hold on. Turn on the TikTok. Here we go. I was just dancing like the girl. Remember that Dave Chappelle skit? Where uh, he's, he's driving along with that lady from the very first Dave Chappelle show episode where he's like, she's doing that dance move from that commercial. Was like, bitch, what are you doing? <laughs> All right. It. Robo trip in 420. robo Trippin' 420 robo Trippin' 420 that's a cool name i know it's you i'm gonna start saying that to every person that comes in the chat now i've learned how to be a ufologist you just say everyone is secretly someone <laughs> thank you for being here man i'm just messing around i know it's you all right let's back it up here to talk a little bit about our friend who's still alive, who I've emailed and hopefully get on here, but I'm not paying the guy 400 bucks because he says he makes more now doing speeches than he does uh, anything else. He's retired. He's an old man now. All right, let's jump up here real fast to talk about one of his aircraft. Which I found to be freaking quite awesome. Of course, we're talking about Voyager, something that I'm absolutely in love with. Is the idea of um, extended cruising? You know what I'm saying? Uh, to dick Raton! to um, to be able to go do something all at once. So, you know, I'm I, mean, I love the stories of the sailors that circumnavigated, and you know, the idea that Voyager circumnavigated on a gosh dang single tank and it looked just absolutely badass. It's the same shape. It's just a large drone, U- UAS shape of today. But take a look at this real fast. Why is it not coming up? Oh, too bad Rob left. I actually was looking into something for him. I forgot to bring it up, damn. Is there a reason they went? Were- okay, here we go. Voyager. I was looking up something for Rob. We had talked about it often how a lot of people in ufology talk about 45 degrees. I think it was coming down, whatever it was, it was coming down like in a 40, 45 degrees. Um, 40 degrees is, is the most comfortable degree to come in where you're hitting the brakes. Most aircraft by design. And if they go, any nose deeper in there you're going to break yourself up or burn up unless of course you're made of fucking re-entry materials um it's gonna get hot and you're gonna go meteor speed um and so a 40 to 45 degree tends to be the elevate uh, the uh degree break on automation when it comes to vehicles re-entering earth's atmosphere you've heard traditionally since the 60s thing was coming down on like a 45 degree angle that is re-entry degree that's they keep they try to travel in a 45 degree position and angle coming down and like that's like the thing um but anyways let's look into this real fast voyager on a wing with a dream a small group of people set out to achieve the impossible miss yeager sitting in the seat there on a wing in a dream a small group of people set out to achieve the impossible to fly around the world without stopping and without refueling It was originally believed to be the project would take 18 months. It was originally believed the project would take about 18 months. Design, construction, flight, and permissions, and testing stretched that 18-month project to nearly six years. In early 1986, Voyager was flown to Edwards Air Force Base in California. She was fueled for hours, and on December 14th, She was fueled for hours. I wonder what the process is. for. Um, And on December 14th, 1986, Voyager took off on what would become the world's longest flight. Voyager's first, I'm sorry, Voyager's flight was the first ever nonstop, unrefueled flight around the world. It took place between December 14th and December 23rd, 1986. This milestone flight took nine days, three minutes, and 44 seconds. The absolute world distance records set during the flight remain unchallenged today. He has words to say about that as well. To this day, no aircraft has flown more air miles than Voyager's 26,358 statute miles. Cosmo Kramer. We need to know the statute of limitation on this one. Not even close. The of uh, the FAI accredited distance at 40.212 kilometers. The structural weight of the Voyager aircraft was only 939 pounds until it had fuel in it. The, uh, when the airplane took off full of fuel, pilots, and supplies, the gross takeoff weight was not. First off, how did they poop? Moving on. The average altitude flown was about 11,000 feet. The Voyage took off from, and only was at 11, what? The average altitude was about 11,000 feet? That's even more impressive now. That's fucking crazy. I get. A, that's, we should do a whole episode on Voyager. The Voyager took off from and landed at Edwards Air Force Base in California. The two uh, There were two crew members on board, Dick Rutan and Gina Yeager. Dick's brother, Bert Rattan, who is a world-renowned airplane designer, designed the airplane. Did I confuse you there? The Voyager was built in Mojave, California. Mojave. It took five years to build and test the airplane before taking off on its remarkable record-setting flight. What a freaking beauty. Look at that Dude, it's just, you know, $8,000 drone off Alibaba, $3,500 drone off Alibaba, same shape, but has rotors on it so it can lift itself up in the air like a helicopter, then fly forward. And it's cheaper than this. There were about 99 ground volunteers that participated in the flight with weather, communications, fabrication, office staff, gift shop staff, and more. Which It's important to count those ones. Primarily individual conscious. Primarily, individual contributions and a few product equipment sponsors financed the Voyager. The project did not receive any government sponsorship. His other project did, though, I think. I'm pretty sure because I was, he, I was watching a speech of him talking about a, quite a few of his were. Um, four days after landing, President Donald Reagan presented the Voyager crew and its designer with the Presidential Citizens, Citizenship Medal, awarded only 16 times previously in history. Take that, world! To find out more about the Voyager Project and flight, we suggest you order Dick's new book, The Next Five Minutes. Let's all read that together. This has been updated in 2023, all rights reserved. Except I just stole your stuff, Mr. Todd Um, this uh this guy was just one heck of a mind. And and just like um Fresco, what the hell was that like guy? Jacques Fresco, who same time period so they say the same non politically correct things take it easy everyone there that they, you know they they did not you cannot ask someone who spent 70 years of their life speaking some way to flip the other way around especially when that person is the least racist person on the planet the least homophobic person on the planet they've employed and they're championed markets and areas where they never let any of these people in before and yet because they don't speak the exact language that is needed they're considered the bad ones. It just doesn't make sense. You're making enemies of people that actually support you, um, uh, but of course that has to be looked at closely because if you go too broad with that, you have a bunch of jackasses walking around really trying to ruin people's days um, and lives. Anyway, so let's move on from there. One of the aircraft we're going to talk about real quick because I try to move on quick here is um, is one of his badass designs that found its way in the hands of NASA's Langley Research Center. Um, what do you know? It's another shape that you see in a common UAS today, except with rotating uh, wings with rotors on them. This thing is uh, one badass VTOL design. You see it, the Osprey and other stuff that's been uh, coming around. I think, um, is it Zelensky? Who that? No, who the hell makes that new one that's coming out soon? Shit. Drawing a blank. I'm not even showing you the screen. I'm just talking crap. Let's look at this real fast together. We'll talk about the Ling Temco Vot XC One Four Two Alpha VT VTV XC One Four Two. Okay, um, accredited with uh, designing quite a few features on this. Most of it, um, this guy, you know. Uh, this guy was uh, crossing. Um, why does it say it's? Hold on a second. Here, am I wrong about this? Because I just got the link off his website. Sikorsky. See, yeah. What did I say? Learning on the go. Let's go to the Air Force Museum to get a more accurate look at what the hell I'm trying to say, because I feel like a jackass. I'm sorry. Here we go. Bert returned at the Air Force Museum's homepage. Bring this up. <laughs> oh, look at those sideburns, my friends. Uh, and there's the aircraft behind it. Dayton, Ohio, Albert L. Bert Rattan's first job out of college was working as a civilian flight test pilot. Uh, sorry, flight test project engineer with the U.S. Air Force at Edwards Air Force Base. He and the team explored the sustainability of vertical short takeoff and landing at V.S. Toll Transport. Here, Rutan poses. With the Chance Vought LTV XC 142 Alpha on February 21st, 2019. Um, Obviously, if you're a super ufologist and only interested in that side of it, remember mass reduction and VTOL was all the rage because we just made it to think about the wars that we're fighting, all right, or the wars that, like, literally Korea going on, okay, Uh, or about to happen. And you have the idea, again, of what, like, lessons learned in World War II. What if we go back to some sort of Pacific or French Polynesian islands or something? There's no runways. What are we going to do? Do we want to put ourselves in the same situation we had before? We cannot land in a a way that we can get troops on the ground or or resupply or clandestine resupply. Of course, the helicopter. The helicopter made uh, was obviously adapted um, across the world almost simultaneously at the same time. Uh, um, that's, I should have said both there, but, uh, but the helicopter had some problems, did it not? And we saw that DARPA and others were working on it right away. Helicopters is loud. It's cost effective, but also, you know, you, you, chip something in the wrong place. Something goes wrong with the helicopter. If suddenly things don't fly right anymore, you need a, some pretty good uh, um, people working on that thing um, and just upkeep uh, for a lot of the stuff it, it compared to some of these other vehicles is looked at very differently. I I look look at YouTube debates of like the Osprey versus some other designs, and it's clear that there's it's an ongoing discussion, you know. But uh, it seems that um, that most people do not want a a one option VTOL craft in the future. They don't want the idea of an auto rotating helicopter falling out of the sky, and they don't want a heavy engine up front and a runway needed. So they want something that can do both. Of course, you've seen a lot of these eVTOL things set up where the <laughs> the, thru- the thrust on these things is insane. The Just like a Tesla, the speed from touching the pedal to it going is awesome, and it just makes things a, a, a lot different. You can go up quickly, rather quietly. It's electric engine. And, um, and then instantly rotate the wings, and what? You've got yourself an airplane now, essentially, and you just fucking buzz off. And so they were trying to do this a long time ago, of course, you, you're looking at one right now, but, um, it's, uh, it was one pretty cool time. I'd have to say to be, if you're into aviation and, and uh, working for, uh, solve uh, problems in the military back then, you know, the, f- keeping the force safe, keeping logistics and speed. And, uh, you know, if you, what do we always talk about? Be able to move, shoot, or communicate. And if you can do all three of those things better than everyone else, you're going to win. And, um, And to access some of these more hazardous places, the Air Force and others have always been very, very timid. You know, there's been approved projects and this jump jets is things like the Harrier that have taken off in other places. But, and of course we have vehicles right now, like the F-35, but you don't want to land any of that shit on a jungle floor. It's just not, it's not really the ideal situation. The Air Force has a terrible, terrible history of trying to land on rough runways and things not going so great for them. But uh, if you're interested in more of the LTV uh, XC-142, let me just read off some specs here for you. It flew a cry. Uh, took a crew of two to fly it. At 32 full equipped troops could fit on board. 24 stretchers for for, for uh, the medevac vehicle. That it, it could take an 8,000 pound payload in addition to its dry weight. Its length was 58 feet. Quite large. Um, wingspan is 67 feet. You're talking about a much bigger platform now. Where the hell are you gonna put this thing? isn't on a carrier, you got a fucking bunker you're gonna put it in. What, what are you gonna put it in? Um height is 26 feet tall, which is is uh is not as tall as I thought it was gonna be, but it's still pretty big. Uh wing area, a total of 535 square feet. Aspect ratio is an 8.6 to one. Okay. Um, empty weight total 22,000 pounds, gross weight 34.4 thousand pounds, all filled up. The VTOL weight, though, yeah, I'm sorry, VTOL weight to use the vertical takeoff, you had it could be no more than 34.5 thousand pounds and 1400 US gallons of gas. Power plant was on a General Electric T64 GE turboprops that offered, uh, 2100 kilowatt each kilowatt general electric t sixty fours. the general electric t64 is a free turbine turbo shaft engine that was originally developed for use in helicopters but which was later used for on fixed wing aircraft as well general electric introduced engine this engine in 1964 the original engine design included technical innovations such as corrosion-resistant and high-temperature coatings. The engine features a high overall pressure ratio yielding a low specific fuel assumption or consumption. assumption. It's assuming a lot about how much fuel it takes. You know, we never really get specific with the engine. We just ask it to assume that way. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, although the compressor is uh, it's all axle-like it earlier. What does that say? Earlier General Electric T58 designs the power turbine shaft is coaxial with the HP shaft and delivers power to the front of the engine. Not rearwards. It delivers power to the front of the engine. That's weird. But is it better? I don't know. 14 compressor stages are required to deliver the required overall pressure ratio. Compressor handling is facilitated by four rows of variable... uh, What is that Bleed air variable status Automatic air bleeding systems, okay I'm not an aircraft guy as you know, I'm a a nerd who likes cool weird stuff So I learn on the go and then I look up at a blown-up gif of it and try to match what i'm reading on the page with what i'm seeing on the explodey version of the engine in this gif format that's how i learn since no one's ever going to give me an engine although i did just discover that you can go to amazon and buy actual not actual working but you can crank them over type of thing uh engines so you can get little model desk engines and stuff which i think is pretty sweet and if you could buy like every you know, like turbojet that was ever created or something, and you go have it around, have it behind me, that'd be sweet. I'd turn them all on at once. Okay, 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 okay. Um, the LT uh, the XC142A, that pretty sweet tilt wing uh, design, um, it, it, it's it's was flown, it was tested, they loved it. NASA used it, the Air Force used it, believe it or not. And um, and here is a picture of it, just in case you forgot, everyone on the audio side, I'm sorry, you know, you know the deal. I'm very, very bad with the audio side people. I love you all. Thank you very much for the Spotify reviews. It doesn't look too different from the Osprey. It looks as like a, you know, has a very typical um, helicopter front there, or for the time at least. It doesn't seem too wild to me. I guess what I like about it is that you know the UAS studies um, show that it was going this way, but it the tilt wing just seems logical to me. Like we the, the idea that the osprey has a high... i mean i got to look it up for... I, I don't want to talk out a term but i'm pretty sure the uh the osprey has a, a higher crash ratio than some of the other aircraft right now um and that could be wrong but i'm pretty sure i read that and um and you know the spins i've heard i've talked to so many people who have worked on it or flown in it or uh, even uh, navy seals who have crashed while flying in one um and and you know they'll 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 tell you that it's like a prey when they get in this frigging thing because it's so untrustworthy versus a regular helicopter. I don't know, man. I don't really get how any of that works because if you look back at uh, helicopter crash recovery uh, setups or, or, or stories or even going back to like Vietnam and stuff, a lot of just like crazy weird stuff, like a, a fern, like stories from the pilot or something silly as like a piece of bamboo flying through the air, getting caught in a draft and just chipping one of their, ro- just hitting a rotor. A piece of freaking bamboo. Not all the time, of course. Sometimes the stories of literally the helicopters going down and actually chopping circles in the bamboo to because they can't, they got to get the soldiers, so drop them off. Um, but uh, it, you know, you, you, re- it's just crazy to me that there's been from the early or from the mid '50s at least, um, you know, the full understanding that it's, it's, the material sciences have figured it out. The analog version of it has been figured it out, has been figured out rather. Um, but the computerization of it, the making it smart, if you will, um, the making it automated, self-balancing, all that stuff—it uh, took a while to come around, and we're seeing it all now. We've obviously been seeing it for twenty years, but we're seeing it now significantly. This aircraft is one badass design, and I hope uh, it comes back
0: in a different way.
2: <laughs> I don't really trust that damn Osprey. All right, moving on. I'm sorry that was boring. Everyone hates that. What time is it, dude? I, get, I I'm out of time. I'm out of time. You know what? Instead of going into the Voyager, which we're going to do a whole episode on, let's read this real fast, which I found. Most people are going to be mad they left for this one, or it's just too late for them. Check this out. Look what I found for Mr. Bert Rattan. This is of Mr. Bert Rattan, ladies and gentlemen. And the reason why I liked him for a UFO person, because he's not a UFO person. And what did I find here? Something that I thought, and you could do me a favor right now, Recon, if you'd like to, share the show right now on Twitter or Facebook so all these clowns can uh, can understand that I was actually going to make my way back to the UFO topic. eventually. <laughs> um, here, Bert Ratan intro for John Alexander's UFO Myth Conspiracies and Realities. And if this doesn't catch your freaking UFO interesting, thing, uh, I don't know what, they're going to tickle your fancy, so to speak. If you're a skeptic like me, but interested in the idea of it, hear these words and just know that I'm not bullshitting. I'll read you while I'm showing you. And also how I read like a five-year-old ready. Here we go. Mr. Ton intro for John Alexander's UFOs, myth, conspiracy myths, conspiracies, and realities. And if you don't know who John Alexander is, this person is well known within ufology, obviously for years and years. Let me just, um, if you're in the military, you should know the name or at least know the history um he's considered a journalist now but uh John Alexander um you know uh, the smoking man from from the army was a uh, former infantryman i believe right wasn't he Um, And he ended up uh, becoming a specialist in less than lethal rounds. He called them non-lethal. Everyone in my time period knows exactly what time we always called them non-lethal. And then suddenly we had to start calling them less than lethal. That was kind of a funny thing that sometimes they'll kill you still. I guess that's funny. Um, But uh, yeah, he was friends with John Alexander. I thought this guy knows the spooky... John B. Alexander, always hanging out with Bletso, always hanging out with Skinwalker, always up to something with the spooks and the weirdos of the world telling us that there's fucking free energy coming out of the ass of a ghost every 12 seconds. Well, I thought, that's weird. Am I about to really find this guy over to be super suspicious because he's achieved so much? It'd be weird if suddenly I'd see a change and I was afraid to read it, but I read it anyways. And guess what? Let's read it together. And you'll see what Mr. Atan thinks of all these characters. Now, this is a aerospace god. This isn't me. This isn't some fucking guy I dug up to find someone who confirms my bias. This is one of the most influential people that has ever lived when it comes to aviation. Obviously, holds tons of records. And friends, don't just listen to what I'm about to say and then say, "Oh, that's just his opinion. Who cares?" Please do me. Did I just close it? Please do me a favor. And um And consider what um what the hell just happened to that? Dude I freaking hate StreamYard. Oh my god. Pain in the fucking ass. Give me a second, Recon. I try to open it back up and then it does this thing where it closes the freaking thing instead of opening it. I I don't like StreamYard. And I'm forced to use it because I can it's like the only thing I can afford. Thank you. Here we go. Okay. That was obnoxious. Just kept spinning and not showing the damn thing. Here it is again. Bert Rutan, intro to John Alexander's UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. There's only five pages. I'll read it quick as fast as Micro Machines guy will channel through me. Here we go. First, I want to thank my friend John Alexander for inviting me to submit my thoughts for publication in his excellent book. In general, I never agree to provide comments on any book I have not read, and I have always found it difficult to read any book on UFOs. They all seem to be written only by those strongly advocating their chosen side of the debate of the big question. Do E.T. exist? These books would be compelling if there were convincing physical evidence to inspect hardware, bodies, wreckage, etc. However, my impression usually is there is that there is no compelling evidence and the author's credible data could be summarized into a few pages. However. They then seem content to drag the reader through hordes of speculation and rhetoric for no useful purpose. I'm going to pause there. I'm not saying it's
1: aliens.
2: (laughs) Which is my favorite defensive line. Uh, Thus, I have to admit, I had not read an entire book on the subject before John provided me with his early draft of UFOs, myths, conspiracies, and realities. John's book is very different in its its detailed coverage of both sides of the debate is written without bias or agenda. Since college graduation in 1965 I've always been involved in research development and flight testing of aircraft. The first 7 years were spent at the US as a US Air Force flight test project engineer at Edwards Air Force Base and the next 10 years as a home built aircraft entrepreneur RAF
1: that's not what that means.
2: The last 28 years as CEO uh, founder and CEO uh, I built a small aerospace company scaled composites small there and they're cool. Check them out. These efforts brought me in contact with some of the most advanced research in aviation. Even though I have seen a flying object that I cannot identify, I've never made it a hobby to study UFOs. A skeptic. John was rightfully described, uh, John has rightfully described me as a skeptic. This is a refreshing truth, especially after Wired Magazine had reported, Bert Rattan thinks extraterrestrial aliens built the Gaza Pyramids. During a long interview for the magazine on a different subject, I included my thoughts from a study of Egyptian monuments. I mentioned my conclusions that several of the structures had clear evidence of manufacturing technologies well beyond what mainstream historians assume existed at the time. This is a fascinating subject, indeed, but it has nothing to do with ET aliens. For me, it's a far easier to believe that it is far easier for to believe that ancients had developed methods to cast or machine granite. And these methods were later forgotten. Then to believe that starships had visited the earth to help humans stack stones. I love that he's put it that way. As a hobby pursuit, I have usually enjoyed researching some kind of mystery to provide a welcome distraction for my day job. I do not claim to have have solved any of the mysteries. I merely dig away to get to the point where my own gut says, now I know. This is not a proof. It's merely just satisfaction. In my own mind, that further study will be boring, thus forcing me to find another hobby. I think we can relate to that. My hobbies have included energy efficiency. I built solar water heaters in the 70s. I built my custom pyramid home in the 80s, that popular science called the ultimate energy efficient house. I drove an EV1 electric car for seven years in my primary vehicle and I'm currently working on a 20-acre PV solar farm. Investigating the JFK assassination, my fascination, my fascinating search to solve the murder mystery started in 1989 and ended in the mid to late 90s when my gut told me I had probably found the answer. My Egyptian pyramid manufacturing quest, a five-year hobby, started in early 1998 when I spent several weeks looking At structural details with an engineering manufacturing eye rather than reading hieroglyphics from Cairo to Abu Simbel, I guess. My recent hobby, 2006 to current, a survey of climate data and an assessment of the analysis and presentation methods of those promoting the theory of catastrophic global warming caused by human emissions. Please see John Alexander's book he put out, he put together in 2006. See what cases you might think would have been there. Because of his position, he held. But are not there. So which is confusing. Do they have these core legacy secrets, or do they not? My UFO sighting. The following is the first ever publication of my 1972 sighting. It occurred while I was driving northbound on I-135 in Kansas by myself in the dark pre-dawn hours of May 31st, 1972. I was on my way to direct the first flight of the DB-5. When off to the right, I noticed a brilliant, hovering, cylinder-shaped object with a length of about four or five times its diameter. Assuming it was not moving, it was easy to determine its distance from me by knowing my car's speed and observing the angular rate at which my line of sight rotated from the center of the windshield to the right side of the window. I slowed to a stop on the side of the road, and when I had stopped, the object quickly accelerated to the south and disappeared within about two seconds. I estimated that it was about 300 to 400 meters away, and at the size, it was about 30 to 50 meters long. It had been hovering at about 10 to 20 meters above the ground. It did not appear to have a solid surface. It was more of a fuzzy fluff, or glowing light with no distinct surface details. During the 15 seconds that it was visible it changed colors at least twice green orange yellow as i recall i took note of my car's odometer so i could find the site again when i returned in daylight i found a high voltage electrical transmission lines cr- sorry I, I found high voltage electric transmission lines crossing a small lake near the spot where it had been hovering I therefore formed an opinion that the object might have been some electrical ion phenomena. However, I was intrigued to later read about a sighting of an object with similar appearance in Louisiana. You can go to the approximate location of my hovering UFO using Google Earth. That's pretty cool. I'm going to grab that right there. That. My use of Men in Black Neuralizer on the audience at one of the Oshkosh Air Venture Talks in 1997 led some people to think I am an ET UFO uh, believer. Engineering cohort Dan Cray, I guess, using a toothbrush case and the components of a flash camera built the device. Yes, it was only a joke. Humor is needed when you work in the high desert. Dan was also the one who painted an alien face on the back window of my boomerang twin aircraft. <laughs> Another reason that people might think I am a believer. Some of my personal friends are among the people that are described in John's book. Here we go. Ben Rich, the Lockheed Skunk, the Lockheed skunk Works of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s have always been fascinating. I'm sorry, has always fascinated me with their methods of aircraft research and I have strived to apply some of their lessons learned to my companies. The Skunk Works was founded on June 17th, 1943, the day I was born. Ben Rich and I became friends after I met him at the Government Tactical Conference. We often discussed advanced aircraft programs, but he never even hinted to me about about the ET subject. Lieutenant Colonel Phil Corso. We're getting into it, right? I I did attempt to read the Day After Roswell book, but not because of his E.T. claims. My interest was the fact that in 1964, he was assigned to the Warren Commission, Uh, member Senate Richard Russell Jr., as an investigator into the assassination of JFK. I managed to locate Phil via his son, who was employed in the same business as my RAF home-built aircraft company in Early 1998, during a family vacation in Disney World, I took a day off and drove to the Corso home to interview Phil. I managed to find him alone and talk to him for several hours. Phil was a very different person to talk to alone than than he was with. I'm sorry. Then he was, if his family was with him, he seemed a sincere. He seemed sincere and open while alone, but guarded and controlled when his son was present. He seemed surprised and happy that I wasn't interested in the Warren commission work. Seems weird that he was on that. Does anyone else know that? I don't think I even, I'm not the Warren commission. Yeah, but, uh, what's going on, but I didn't, did we know about that? I don't even remember. That was a part of his story. I can't even recall that. Um, Anyways, all right, so he seemed surprised and happy that I was interested in the Warren Commission work. He provided some remarkable teasers about the JFK case, but said he would only elaborate during our next meeting, not today, which is always the titillation factor of the conspiracy folk. I pressed him hard and, of course, had planned to meet him again, but he died soon after my first and only visit. I later asked his son for any documents, any drafts or notes he might have written on his The Day After Dallas book. But he refused the request. Ah, you see the series, The Day After Roswell. the day of, I didn't even know he wrote that book. I really didn't. Um, the Day After the Queef. But he refused the request. Sorry, that's request, not requeef. Overall, I believe Phil was a real gentleman. He was fascinating and fun to talk with. However, I did not get a strong feeling that his ET reverse engineering claims were credible, nor were supported by evidence. Here we go. Hal Putoff, Colonel Alexander, and Bob Bigelow. I consider these folks good friends. This is where I was like, uh oh, what? Um, and I have enjoyed my, interfe- uh, my interface with all of them for many years. I am very interested in their work, their passions, and capabilities. However, I would not have met these folks when I did, were it not for an introduction by someone that is an ET UFO true believer. He approached me with verbal technical proposals for wild, faro propulsion and development products. But I never officially engaged him on those subjects. So I bet he's either talking about Joe Firmage or someone Hal, like Davis or Hal, you know, was saying. my incense, uh, My incentive to return his call was solely because my then current hobby was studying the JFK case. The guy's reputation included a history of involvement in the JFK presidency before and after JFK's murder in 1963. I did not learn anything new or, or compelling from him. However, I do owe him a big thank you for introducing me to Hal and then John. He's talking about Tim Taylor. Who's he talking about? I also want to thank John for introducing me to Bob. I am very interested in Hal's work on energy generation and space propulsion, John's work on non lethal weapons, and Bob's impressive work on the development of developing non government orbiting space stations, as in the expandable space capsules you see on the ISS right now. Um, I heard the Yelp reviews are crappy. And However, I have never been a NIDS participant, and my friendship with these three folks has nothing to do with the ET lore. Vernon Von Braun! <laughs> Don't mean to be hypocritical. Oh, what is it? Uh, something to be analytical. And I'm learning to speak Chinese. I can't remember how it goes. But I just remember, when the rockets come up, who cares where they come down? That's not my department, says Vanne Von Braun. <laughs> All right, anyways. Um, I met Von Braun in 1965 in San Francisco, where we both were receiving IAAA awards. I chatted with him at the cocktail hour, but only about his Apollo work. My closest golfing friend started his NASA career by flying Von Braun. Von Braun? Around the world in the 60s. He and his other friends were close to Von Braun. Von Braun at the Marshall Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville? Isn't that the place where all the haunted lakes are? And that's why Tim Taylor and Travis Taylor and Hal and Eric and all these people down there. Isn't that the same place where all the haunted lakes and ranches and stuff? <clears throat> Until he departed for Washington, DC in the nineteen seventies uh, or nineteen seventy. None of these people ever mentioned to me a hint that Von Braun was aware of or was working any ET issues. Bottom line, finally, we're going to wrap it up here and take off. I know I've bored everyone. They've run away. Bottom line, a reason that I remain an ET skeptic is that for 45 years, I've been in a position to handle sensitive technical information and have not heard anything related to ET hardware reverse engineering projects. I have served two separate five-year terms on the Air Force Scientific Advisory Board, including a study group assigned to evaluate research for advanced propulsion systems at Wright-Patt Air Force Base, the Air Force Research Laboratory Propulsion Directorate, and other locations. But I have never heard anyone mention the kind of stuff that excites the ET UFO crowd. I only hear those wild claims from people that promote the lore, but never from any government official or other credible sources. As I found while trying to solve the JFK murder, the evidence used for proof is highly contaminated with incorrect information, intentional or accidental. Any evidence sits alongside other evidence that proves the opposite conclusion. Thus, the quality of the evidence is always viewed very different depending on the bias of the viewer. Finally, what does that sound like to you, by the way? He's he's, he's, he's he's writing the equivalencies for you without saying in that part, but you know. Finally, claims that the ET spaceships have crashed numerous times since the 1940s without any portions of wreckage ever being available for public scrutiny and without any released or leaked analysis, photos or wreckage just does not pass a sanity check. Until convincing physical evidence is found, I remain a skeptic looking up way up. Ratan. Um, folks. There's a reason why people that specialize in being extremely radical and creative in aviation and aerospace are interested in the UFO topic because what it could mean, what if you find someone that isn't some sort of wackadoo and has real evidence to back up what their claim is. And, and then you're going to pass that up when you already work with radical stuff all the time, when you are working in the most bleeding edge of your field, you're going to pass up the chance where some UFO person comes to you and gives you a bunch of specs and claims of power storage and production dude. What do you think these people are going to do? They're going to look into it. These are not the individuals that are spying on behalf of the Air Force. They're running their own companies. They're working on these panels because they are, they are scientifically speaking, in a position to have experienced those crazy shock waves coming in to reentry and trying different shapes and sizes in a modern era with modern composite matrices like these people know. Could they be covering it all up? Why do they even need to? They're just simply reviewing the claims made by people. And they're saying, you don't have any evidence to any of his claims, your whole book is full of your hopes and dreams with this much alleged evidence. And when you look at that evidence, it's not something we've all constituted as evidence. It's something they've chosen and that's their truth evidence. And that's not cool. If you want to hear more about Bert, we're going to talk about him in the future. Hopefully he comes on the show because he's still alive. The guy seems to be a legend to me. Remember, he didn't say aliens ain't real. I didn't say aliens are not real. Maybe you did, but I'm saying that you could totally have experienced something that's freaking weird, and maybe you've truly investigated. Maybe you're in a position to know um, far more than I about meteorological phenomena, plasma phenomena, you know, radical and nautical, uh, novel aircraft design clandestine flights the development of ua stealth uas or harder like visual stealth whatever but then if you follow that up with a claim that you know what you saw was some sort of venetian spoon bending aliens or something and you don't have any evidence to back it up i like so many others get to rightfully say you're full of shit Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and kittens and pooches and pound puppies, do me a massive favor. Look for things how they actually are versus how they appear to be. The news. Everyone will try to give it to you how they want it to appear. You know. If you leave your house tomorrow, there's a 50 percent chance you'll die. Remember when they were saying that to you every day? Um there's just that they will tell you something for a long time and you might never get it because you're just always looking at it for how it appears. You're never looking at it for the cause. You're always looking at it for the effect. Um, And like most humans, like myself, like myself, I will constantly get distracted by the effects because the effects are usually the most, um the closest to you. The cause is oftentimes hidden far away. Unless you're a sociopath and the problem is you. <laughs> recon i gotta get out of here please take it easy i'm sorry i bored the living shit out of everyone eight people in the youtube as we're ending the show today holy shit eight people ladies and gentlemen boys and girls cats and kittens and pooches and pound puppies i'm sorry it was so boring that everyone left and only eight people are viewing the youtube side you're the good eight you're the what's that adam sandler movie something eight take it easy recon As I always say, keep it weird and keep your third eye peeled.